today we uh, finish up a series called Dear Church. We spent the last eight weeks in the letter to the Corinthians, uh, the first letter to the Corinthians, uh, known as First Corinthians. And we spent uh, time looking at this church that reminded us much of uh, our church, much of our culture, uh, which led us up to Resurrection Day. And um, we're going to finish out that series today in chapter 16. So if you're following along in your Bible, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 16 today. Uh, today is a different kind of sermon. For those of you who are um, visiting, um, I, hope, I hope you get something out of it. I really do. Uh, Isaiah 55 um, I'll paraphrase it, but it says this, God's words, God's word, when it goes out, it always comes back accomplishing what it wills to accomplish. And so whether or not uh, you've been here for 20 minutes or whether or not you've been here for 20 years, I hope God's word accomplishes. I know God's word will accomplish what it sets out to. It does not return empty. So, um, but for those of you who call this church home, um, those who passionately follow Jesus together, um, this is a this is going to be a bit of a family meeting wrapped in a sermon. Um, so, uh, visitors, uh, this is kind of a weird moment for you to be here, and it'll be one you probably tell people about and um, um, be like, "Well, that was an interesting Sunday." Um, and for uh, church family members, um, this is a this is a family meeting. It's a it's a family moment for us. 1 Corinthians 16. I'll read the whole chapter. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. So just like the offering we took this morning. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money to be kept in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come for collections, uh, so when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Essentially saying, hey, set aside uh, some of your income and give it to the church to support uh, the growth of the church just like you just did. Uh, Verse 5, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter. Sounds like he's coming to Big Sky. Um, So that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the other brothers. Now about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to go with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. 
You know that the house of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to, uh, and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaeus arrived because they supplied what you what was lacking from you. So they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Should have had you do that this morning. Um, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Seasons. There are seasons of life. If you live in Big Sky, there are multiple seasons in every single day. We can go from 45, 50 degrees yesterday to snow on the mountain today. We're a seasonal community. We have people who come and visit for a season. And then it either works for them or it doesn't. And then they... Maybe stay on for another season and maybe another one and, and maybe another one. And for some of you, uh, that's turned into a lot of seasons. We have a winter season where we have a little bit younger crowd who likes to rip the mountain. And in the summer, we have uh, a summer seasonal crowd um, that's a little older and tends to fly fish a little bit more. So we're familiar with seasons. And Paul's desire was to be with the church in Corinth for a season. He says this, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. See, Paul said to them, Hey, I want to be with you for a season. I want to be with you for a winter. Five years ago, Lori and I moved here with Eli, two years old, and Ava, three months old. That's crazy. We moved into a frog, which is, or is it a frog or is it a toad? I don't remember. Anyway, it's an acronym. Um, Yeah, above the garage. How does it go? What is it called? Yeah, family unit above the garage, family Something above the garage. Furnished room above, over the garage. There you go, frog. We got it. Perfect. Furnished room over the garage. It's a big garage, though. So um, it's a big garage. And um, we moved into this apartment and um, began our life here in Big Sky. Um, and when we got here, I, I didn't know how long, how long we would be here. Um, to be honest with you, this was my first gig as a, as a lead pastor. Uh, I was a youth pastor for several years of my life. I was an associate pastor at the former church I was at. And this was my first gig as a lead pastor. So I was seriously just trying not to mess things up. 
Um, and what a season it has been. When I got here, uh, we didn't have an office. <laughs> I was a pastor, part pastor, part admin, part sound guy, occasional worship leader. We had uh, somewhere around 30 or 40 people in my shirt first shoulder season, which I was like, wow, okay, here we go. Um, five years later, uh, we've baptized over 20 people. We've seen this church grow like crazy. We last summer had four weeks uh, where we were at or above 200 people. Uh, we've birthed a children's ministry a welcome team ministry, a prayer team ministry. Um, more ministries are being birthed every day. Kristen and Leslie are starting this women's ministry. We have a read through the Bible in a year group, a podcast group, several life groups. We've gone from uh, a budget of just about $100,000 to a budget of around $300,000, including a base camp building across the street where our kids get to meet and where our young adults and youth ministry meets uh, throughout the week. And we've had, uh, we, we now um, have three staff, Militia Garrett, who is our incredible admin and is also going to be helping out more and more in base camp and nursery as well very soon. Um, we're so, so grateful for you, Militia. Uh, Nielsen Greiner, our next generation pastor, which is probably the coolest pastor title of all time, right? And he might be the coolest pastor of all time, honestly. He went to Chico Hot Springs yesterday with the young adults. Like, that's what he does for ministry. I was like, hey, dude, at some point tomorrow, you need to just say to yourself, I, like, this is my job, hanging out at Chico Hot Springs with, with young adults. Um, and I'm so, I'm so grateful. Like, I could have never, could have never imagined this season of life. I, I, I just couldn't have ever imagined it. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't even know people lived in Big Sky, to be honest with you. Um, when we first, when we first heard about this opportunity, um, I remember sitting in that parking lot right there, looking at this chapel, looking up at the mountain and praying and just saying, Hey God, what do you, what would you have for us? It's been an incredible, incredible season. And Paul had an incredible season with the Corinthians. Um, he had great growth. He had um, some difficulties, which we've had too, right? It hasn't always been roses and butterflies and unicorns, but it's been pretty good. Um, but Paul had struggles there, and he was there for a season. But God took him to other places as well, and, and he went to the places where God opened doors for him. Paul goes on, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened for me. Paul says, I'm going to stay and I'm not going to come to you right now because there's a great opportunity. There's a great door that has opened to me. And I, I want to let you know uh, about a door that's opened to me this morning. Um, and I really, even in this moment, like I wish I could just have lunch with all of you and have this conversation instead of this context, and I would love to um, to do that. But um, but I want to let you know about this door that has been opened. Last year, I was uh, encouraged 
by uh, several of my mentors to begin to work on a personal vision statement for my life, which I highly recommend for everyone to do. And, and really, a personal vision statement is, is simply this. It's asking, hey, what do I want on my gravestone? Like, what do, what do I want to be known for? Like, when my, when my days are over, what do I hope that God has done in and through me? And so uh, I began to work on this in this past year in 2018. And uh, it had several sections in it, and I want to go through those sections with you. The first section of my personal vision statement had to do with my lovely wife of 13 going on 14 years, um, my best buddy, and um, she's pretty awesome. Um, a big part of the vision statement has to do with um, her overall health and well-being. Um, she, uh, last year, had a really hard year. And I share more than I probably should um, up here. So there are some things that I keep a little quieter. But she had a really tough year medically. Um, she has... She was diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis last year, um, which she's sitting right next to Hannah, and Hannah knows a lot about that, right, Hannah? Um, And so um, there's a road ahead, and we don't know what that road exactly is. There's probably more surgeries. Uh, She had a pretty uh, extensive surgery this past year um, and spent some time at the medical clinic. And and so her health, her overall health has risen... um, very high on my list, even though it's always been very high on my list. Um, it's even higher. Um, and so it made me start wondering, like, what, what should we do? Lori's family, they're only 45 minutes from here, which is pretty great. When we had emergency, uh, an emergency where she had um, some complications, uh, her, her parents were able to uh, pick up the kids and be around pretty quickly. Um, but, but it made me wonder, how, how, how close should we be to family? Her family all farms on a big farm. Everybody lives on the farm except for us. Uh, they are each other's support system. And so uh, I began to ask, okay, what, what, what does that mean? What, what would it look like? if we, Do we need to be closer to them? Uh, it made me wonder about um, being in proximity to um, the airport and um, full-scale hospitals. Not that the medical clinic isn't awesome because the medical clinic is awesome. Um, and whereas Mar- Marin Dunn, is an absolute. You're an absolute rock star and such a blessing to my wife and to my family and to me, um, and and an absolute gift to this community. Jeremy Mitchell is a gift to this community. Um, the entire staff there is a gift to this community. Um, but it made me wonder, what should I do? The second section of. Uh, my life vision statement has to do with my kiddos, Eli and Ava. And in it, um, I desired for them to be in a fertile environment, for them to grow in wisdom and stature with God and with man, uh, which is something that was said about Jesus when he was found at the temple, hanging out and talking temple talk. Um, and his parents didn't know where he was. Um, Lori and I both grew up... Um, 
with a, a high influence of Christian education. It's been something that's been on our hearts for our kiddos. And we love the school here. I coach basketball at the school here. Um, We've got all kinds of people that are sitting right here so involved with a great school. Um, and there's nothing against that school, but we've been wondering, like, hey, what would it look like for us to have our kids in some sort of Christian education? If that was a possibility, would we explore that? Um, we had next in my vision statement is um, some language around our home, a place for people to find sanctuary and rest. And then finally, at the end of the vision statement is a very personal section for me, and it includes five things. So number one, it includes be- being a man after God's own heart. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And in the book of Acts, God himself testifies that David was a man after God's own heart. And, um, and if I have one thing written on my gravestone someday, that would be it, that he was a man after God's own heart. Secondly, um, is that a desire to have a lifelong ministry without burnout or moral failure, which is an accomplishment in itself in ministry. Uh, if you've been around pastors long enough, you've been around churches long enough, a ministry takes a toll, it's difficult, um, and it often leads to burnout or moral failure. I had a really great friend of mine who was just in a 30-day uh, treatment center um, for just flat-out burnout. Um, and walked with him through that uh, and, and had the privilege of walking with him through that. But um, I, I want to I walk through this life without burning out and without moral failure. And then three very specific um, pieces of um, my own personal develop, development. One, to become a world-class preacher and speaker, which I believe I've begun to do here, honestly. Um, I preach a lot because <laughs> it's, you know, like we don't have lots of teachers. Nielsen helps out and that's awesome. But um, I've taught a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's been really great. And I've grown as a preacher and as a teacher in this context uh, to speak and write. Uh, number four, to speak and write in a variety of contexts and cultures. I have something within me that um, desires to speak into um, cultures um, and context that have variety to them. And we do here sometimes. Like we have a lot of changing faces and uh, we have a, a different cultures here. Um, so I've gotten a great taste of that. And then lastly, to train and equip the next generation of pastors. Um, one of my greatest privileges in this past year has been uh, spending more and more time with Nielsen um, and watching him flourish as a pastor. Um, and I really have a deep heart for the church and for the next generation of the church. If you've looked at the statistics about the church, they're not good. Uh, and one of the reasons they're not good is because we, we need more leaders. We need more good leaders who can lead the church in the future. Um, and I want to give my life to helping pastors become better pastors. Um, I, I want to give myself over to that uh, as much as I possibly can. And also while working through this document, um, I began to have some conversations uh, with a good friend of mine, um, Bob Schwanz, who is the lead pastor at Journey Church in Bozeman. And no, I will not give you his email address. <laughs> 
And we began to talk uh, about an opportunity that they were going to have this year, a need for a teaching pastor. Someone who would teach 20 to 25 times a year in their weekend services. Someone who would be involved in their residency program and work directly with the next generation of pastors and leaders. Someone who would be encouraged to teach in a variety of environments beyond weekend services at Journey. Someone who would lead others and help them learn how to pastor and care for people. And so all of these things came together and it led me to Ash Wednesday of this year. And I didn't really tell too many people about it. A couple of the elders knew and and my teammates knew. Um, But I went away for 48 hours to pray and to seek after God's voice. Um, And I came home from those 48 hours in prayer and in drives and in conversations. Um... And I felt like I needed to um, pursue a door that seemed to be open to me. And I have spent more uh, time in prayer over this than you can probably imagine. I've talked to many trusted and wise advisors. Our elders have been incredible throughout this process. Um, But ultimately, it's led uh, me to the point um, where I was offered the position of teaching pastor at Journey Church this past week and have accepted this offer and in the fall of this year I will be transitioning down to Bozeman for a new season a new chapter a door that has come open to us and um before I just train wreck right now, which I'm about to. Um, I want to finish like Paul did. Um, I'm probably going to train wreck now anyway. Okay. Um, I want to finish like Paul did because Paul in this passage, he talks about season and he talks about going and coming and, and, and following after Jesus. And I, I want you to know that this is all I'm doing as your pastor is continuing to passionately follow after Jesus. That's, that's what I'm doing. Um, and I know for some of you, you're going to go, really? And I, I get that and I want to talk to you about it and I want to pray with you about that. And I, like, I want to pastor you well throughout the summer in all of this. I want to continue to love you well, and and I want to be only 45 minutes away so I can come and visit and say hi and bug you, and if there's an opening for me to come preach, to come preach, um, and those kind of wonderful things. Um, but I, I do want to end, like Paul ended, by saying thank you, and, and doing what the church is supposed to be done with, because the church isn't about a pastor. It's about Jesus. If you... If you thought in the last five years that this church was about me, you have been sorely mistaken and you haven't heard me well. This church has always been and will always be about Jesus and will be always be about the body of Christ, not about one person. And if it becomes about one person, that's actually really problematic. And so Paul ends... By listing off Apollos and Timothy and 
people whose names that I can't really pronounce and just kind of worked through it. Um, but I want to say um, some thank yous as well. So first I want to say thank you to my wife. I love you so much. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do ministry or life with anybody else. And I think God has great things ahead of us, even though this has been really, really hard. Uh, I wouldn't be the pastor I am without my wife. And you know that. So, thank you, Lori. I want to thank Alan and Becky Johnson, who are in Arizona. I talked to Alan yesterday um, in preparation for this. I've been talking to Alan since about January about about all this. Um, Alan has been my most trusted advisor. He has mentored me. Uh, He has invested in me in incredible ways. Uh, If you get the chance to spend some time with Alan Johnson, do it, okay? Um, He is just an incredible man of God and um, an incredibly wise man. Him and his wife, Becky, who um, Becky started our kids' ministry from nothing. Um, Her and Gina Gobb essentially said, we're going to do children's ministry. And they started it, and now we have weeks where we have 30, 40 kids over there in the summer, which is absolutely incredible. Um, We wouldn't be where we're at without Alan and Becky Johnson. I want to mention two others that aren't here, Tom Jurgens and Bill Bruner. Um, they were both on the search committee and the original elder board when I got here. Um, Tom lives part-time in Minnesota and part-time here. He runs the Mongolia ministry that we support and love. Tom, once again, is an incredibly wise man and has mentored and loved and cared for me um, and has been important in the midst of this um, season. Bill Bruner, who... Um, who formerly lived up here uh, and and has now moved to Atlanta um, to take care of his grandkids and his son um, and some family things that, that they've gone through. Um, and, and he was one of those who pushed me to say, hey, take a look at this vision statement and say, God, what do you want out of my life? Um, Bill is a special man. Don and Diane Lunston run our... Uganda ministry, the Kazozi village, Don and Diane. I don't even want to estimate how much time they spend in prayer. Um, I marvel at how God speaks to you and how clearly you hear his voice. I love, Diane, that you run this building and, and all the difficulties of that. Um, I can't even imagine all that you do. Stephanie Kissel and Sarah Mitchell um, our music ministry is unbelievable because of the two of you. For those of you who are visitors, one of the songs we sang this morning, they wrote. That's how good they are. Let's be honest. Um, You have led us in ministry and in worship and um, even this morning, I was just, I was not singing, I was listening. Because we've become known to other congregations as the church that sings and likes music. Which I'm like, I'm down with that. Um, and we've done that because of your leadership. 
Rick and Michelle Donaldson, um, your leadership on our elder board, your um, willingness to serve in more capacities than you probably should say yes to, from welcome team to cleaning up the canyon to your work on the Gallatin River Task Force to uh, your work on the prayer ministry. Um, We absolutely wouldn't be the church we are without you. Todd and Stacy Chapman. You're like everybody's parent, like in a really great way. I'm serious. You've heard this before, right? Like you just, you just love people so, so well. Um, You've loved me and my family so, so well. Um, you're, you're the people that, like, did you like the best Presbyterians ever? Like, just, it's like my people, right? Um, I love your, your love for others, your care for others, the ministries that you have been a part of and are going to continue to be a part of. Um, Sarah Offit. Uh, Sarah was the first person who dared to work with me <laughs> up here, and we had a blast. And um, it's been amazing to see you um, in all your work at 320 and here in this community. And our young adult ministry is thriving because of you. You have just brought so many young adults here. Some of them are sitting around you right now, right? Because Sarah was like, hey, you should come to church with me. Uh, you were you were the best possible hire I could have had at that moment. It was just perfect. Uh, Amber Miller, who um, who now works in Bozeman, and Suzanne Doherty, who works up at Moonlight, um, who were also co-workers of mine. Um, we just wouldn't be where we're at with all y'all, as they say in the South. Um, and I could go on. I really could. I could talk about all the elders and their families. Um, I could talk about Brad Lartigue, who's been here for how many years, Brad? 27? 6? 7? A long time. <laughs> yeah. And runs our, the chaplain's ministry and the outdoor services. I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. Um, But I want to say this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray that you would lead and guide. God, thank you that you are the cornerstone in which we build this church. That you are the rock that is our foundation. That you are the one who calms the storm. Yet you are the one who helps the blind to see and the lame to walk and the dead to rise again. And 
thank you that this church is in your hands. And it's always been in your hands. And thank you for the plans that you have for it. I pray for all of um, the conversations and the details beyond this day. And I pray, God, that we would continue to passionately follow you together. Let me ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last person I want to thank is Taylor Kissel. Um, Taylor has been um, with me all along the way. Um, And especially in this season, Taylor's uh, taken this um, season more seriously than anybody else. Him and I, 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 we haven't slept as much as we usually do. Uh, or don't, um, and um, he has absolutely been asking, "What does God want for us in this moment?" Um, he's the chair of our elder board, and um, and he's a great servant leader, and he's exactly the person for exactly the right moment in this time uh, to lead and guide us in the midst of of this path.